Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're back from another exciting weekend and already the news agenda is bulging for the week ahead. Having failed in their bid to act Deputy Leader Tom Watson ahead of their conference, Labour are now ploughing ahead with a raft of policies for running the country into the ground. First up is their plan to abolish private schools, even though Chancellor John, uh, Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell says it'll never happen, which previously I've said is a good idea, but abolishing Ofsted? Now that is surely just idiotic. Over in New York, of course, uh, Boris Johnson is dodging questions about some money he gave to a former pole dancer while he was mayor of London. His real mission is to talk climate change, trade with America and the crisis in the Gulf. We'll be crossing live to the United Nations as well as going live to Brighton over the next three hours. On Brexit, Labour are still hedging their bets and hoping to back both sides until one of them actually wins. Then they'll support them, despite being the party they say of Remain. It's all very confusing. Uh, We'll try and sort it all out for you over the course of the next three hours. 0344... 499-1000 is the number. Plus, of course, we will be finding out the latest from the Thomas Cook debacle. Uh, We'll be joined uh, by a journalist who's been following it all the way through the night. Harry and Meghan's royal tour of South Africa kicks off, complete with 13 different members of staff. And we'll be asking the question why a fifth of men say they actually don't have any friends. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So Labour Party conference gets underway with what can only be described as a bit of a bang, uh, although the bang turned into a bit of a damp squib uh, when Tom Watson managed to stop the actual uh, arrangements that were being made by those people, those nice people from Momentum, who decided to just do away with the deputy leader's position, thereby making Tom Watson effectively neutered. That was the first thing they tried to do. He managed to succeed to make himself into a hero by avoiding it all. Uh, and it's all gone very, very bizarrely uh, strange ever since then. They then get up and decide they're going to pass a rule which says that private schools are to be abolished under Labour. Uh, they're going to take back all of the all of the land. They're going to take back all of the properties. And they are going to distribute them through the uh, main processes of state schools in this country. However, John McDonnell says that he probably would never actually exercise that particular thing. This afternoon, they're going to decide on what 
what their Brexit policy is, but it very much sounds as though their Brexit policy is going to be one rule for us and another rule for everybody else. We're going to wait and see who wins a referendum and then we're going to side with them. Well, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Let's talk to John McTiernan, uh, who is, of course, uh, down at Labour Conference and uh, perhaps not as close to the seats of power as he used to be. John, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Night. Thanks for joining us. Now, um, I suppose Labour Conference is always a little bit all over the place, but it seems more all over the place this year than it has been before. It's one of the most disastrous and badly managed conferences I've ever been to. Uh, it feels like a throwback to the 1980s, not just in the politics, but in the appallingly old-fashioned organisation. I mean, if you're going to assassinate the deputy leader, you better be sure that you actually kill him rather than turn him into a hero. Yeah, I mean, what exactly was behind all of that? Because surely one of the things you make sure you do if you're going to organise a pooch and you're going to organise a clear-out of what you would regard as the kind of moderate wing of the party, surely uh, you would end up making sure that you got that done. Yeah, the rumours that are flying around conference are that uh, the people around Jeremy are worried that Jeremy's going to be standing down soon. Uh, perhaps for ill health, perhaps through age, perhaps just through not really being bothered with being in charge. He, right. he really doesn't. He, he really doesn't enjoy being a leader. Uh, he, like, he enjoys the adoration rather than the the actual action and decisions. I don't think. So he, there's, there's some rumours around that. And I don't think he really wants to be prime minister, does he? I don't think so. No, I think he'd far far rather end up running a small Labour Party uh, that was all far left like him mm. uh, than being the prime minister. Uh, I mean, just look at the way he takes the issue of the deterrent. He doesn't want to defend the country. Why should he be the Prime Minister if he won't defend the United Kingdom? No, exactly right. And you say um, there are rumours about his health. I mean, is that yeah. the reason, do you think, why he decided to have himself pictured um, sort of working out in the open air just last week? Yeah, no, no. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a lot of look at me, I'm not unhealthy going on. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the changes they did go through that was unnoticed really because of the row around Tom Watson was that the deputy leader will now not automatically become the leader when the leader's unavailable right. uh, through ill health. They'll be appointed by the NEC, which is, of course, momentum controlled, Corbyn controlled. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes uh, and a lot of jockeying for position. And some of the jokes are about how much this conference agenda showcases the favoured candidates uh, of the leader's office. Now, you were the former political secretary to Tony Blair, who yeah. famously is now no longer welcome at, uh, at Labour Party conference. How come they let you go down there? Um, there's still the remainder of the Labour Party being a broad church uh, and I've got quite a lot of uh, good friends down here. I get a very warm welcome here and I reckon that Tony Blair would get a warm welcome if he came down here with me. Yeah. What about the other rumours that we heard a lot of over the weekend that there might be a split now emerging in the Labour Party, not just a visible split, one that we can all see, but an actual split, a kind of structural split? Yeah, look, I think if they'd expelled, if they'd abolished the... Uh, Deputy Leader's post that they got rid of Tom Watson's power in the party. I think that would have led to a lot of MPs considering their, their future, and it might well have led to a whole scale group of people. Because Tom Watson is credited with stopping 40 or 50 MPs leaving uh, to support Chuck O'Muna's uh, independent group. So there's 40 or 50 people who've got that loyalty to Tom. And uh, so in the face of him being attacked uh, by momentum, that would have been a huge consideration. And I think you can't, you know, you can't avoid seeing that everywhere, that the, uh, the, there's fights between different parts of the Shadow Cabinet, there's fights between uh, Momentum and uh, Tom Watson, there's fights between the unions and the conference mm. delegates. There's a lot, there's a, there's a very, very big split here. And the thing is, at the moment, the visible splits are actually the splits between the far left and the very, very, very far left. You know, we, the Blairites, just watching it and uh, realising that 
it wasn't just us they wanted to fight. They just want to fight. They don't mm. want power. They want to fight each other. Yeah, and they love the idea of uh, of being sort of against everything. They've taken on this, uh, I mean, like the private schools uh, conversation. Yep. They've taken on this kind of abolitionist-type uh, socialism, haven't they, whereby we must enable the country to become fairer. We must enable the country to become a place where everybody's treated the same, when, in fact, the opposite will be the result of that. Well, it's just, I mean, it's just not thought through. Uh, how are they going to change charitable law to stop schools being charities when many nurseries use the powers of charity, charitable laws to actually be affordable for parents? How are they going to seize uh, the charitable foundations? Mm. They can't do that. They can't, they, they can't break the HRA, the Human Rights Act. They can't, they can't you know, get Britain to leave the European Convention on Human Rights. It's a massive denial uh, of choice mm. and freedom. Uh, and the individual rights expression. And that's without looking at the specialist schools that deal with the kids with the greatest disabilities, uh, physical and mental. That's without looking at the schools which deal with the particularly different faith groups we have in the country. Yeah. It's, it's all about making Britain the best country East Germany could ever have been. <laughs> and that is rather perverse in this day and age, is it not? I mean, that leads me to, to the Brexit policy, because if the fight is between the left and the far yeah. left, presumably uh, those who want to remain, who say that Labour is the party yeah. of Remain, are not involved in that conversation, because surely the far left doesn't want to be still in the European Union. Well, the far left don't, but the unions do. And so you've got one of the splits which is between uh, the membership who many of them are trying to interpret what Jeremy Corbyn wants and means. I mean, I think you and I would agree Jeremy Corbyn's been a lifelong opponent of the common market, as he called it in the 70s, as we called it in the 70s. Yeah. And they, 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 they think that he probably wants to leave, and so they're trying to back him in the way they can. The unions see the threat to their members. You know, the car workers in Bridgend, car workers uh, in Birmingham are not going to be helped at all by this, and nor are many other workers in many other industries. So mm. I think that the tension there is between... I don't know, ideology and reality, I yeah. suppose. But can they work through this kind of um, fence-sitting position they seem to have adopted, which appears, as I said in my opener, to really be, we'll wait and see, you know, which way the chips fall, and then we'll back whoever wins? Oh, look, they intend to do it. They intend. Uh, whenever Jeremy wants a fudge, he gets a fudge. He controls the party. The mistakes are his. Uh, the, the, the fact that the Liberal Democrats are about to surge past Labour uh, in the opinion polls, that's all t down to him. Uh, and at the heart of it is this ambiguity uh, about, you know, is Labour a Remain party or is it a Leave party? Uh, and until that is resolved and resolved properly, uh, Labour are going to uh, be in, in trouble in the polls. I'm told they haven't even yet decided upon the wording of whatever document is put before conference this afternoon on Brexit. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt that. I know that there were people spending ten and a half hours yesterday on the wording of other resolutions that are coming to conference today. So... It's what's really strange is this, this 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 claim from Corbyn and his allies that he likes debate and rich debate, and everything they're doing is trying to suppress debate. That's why they're working on the words. They're trying to work on the words to get everybody to agree to the same thing. Um, but there's a fundamental difference: is Labour a Remain party, as I think it should be, or a Leave party, as Jeremy Corbyn wants it to be? And you can't. In the end, you can't fudge that. No, exactly. He does have to yeah. choose at some point. Yeah. And just more broadly, uh, John, as far as what happens over the next few days, Boris Johnson, uh, of course, over in uh, New York at the moment, refusing uh, to be drawn on accusations he failed to declare a conflict of interest uh, over his close friendship with that American former model. Um, I might ask you to put your hat on as a former political secretary uh, to a prime minister and ask you what um, is going to... Is, is this going to snowball, do you think? 
I think it's very difficult when you don't answer questions because questions keep being asked. Mm. Not only that, you get into the cycle whereby journalists say um, questions are being asked yes. that need to be answered. So you start commenting on the process, not the content. Mm. You know, we've already gone beyond what actually happened into the way he's handling. And as you know, as we know from Watergate onwards. It's often the cover-up, not the actions, yes. which are actually the ones that are most damaging. And there's and money involved. I mean, it would be one thing if people were making an accusation yeah. that Boris Johnson was being, uh, shall we say, possibly unfaithful Absolutely. to his wife. I don't think anybody cares too much about that. But he gave this woman money. Yeah, no, I think the, 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 the problem about this is public money. And in the end, we have a, we have a scrupulous uh, inspection of how we spend public money. And it's the arrogance, I think, and the character that's defined. Every, if somebody was to say to a member of the general public, do you think Boris Johnson is a shagger? I don't think that would damage his reputation. I think if you say, is he a liar? Can he be trusted with public money? Suddenly you're getting doubts about his character. There's bits of his character people like. There's bits of his character people accept. But the idea of the prime minister being a lying, a man who misuses public funds, I think that starts to raise a big question mark. Um, and what you're seeing really is it's not the wheels coming off uh, Johnson, but he's being defined by his actions, and that's what happens. And you know, normally it takes you four or five years for your character to be defined in yes. the public eye, but everything seems massively speeded up in British politics now. It's happening in four or five weeks. Yes, and it is the perception of who you are quite often that yeah. finishes you off, isn't it, in terms right. of uh, uh, of reality versus perception? Absolutely, and. But the worst kind of perception is a perception that's based on reality. Yeah. So if it turns out he's lying, been lying about this, if it turns out public money has been misused, if there is, you know, a smoking email, then um, he could be in deep trouble. Yeah, he could. And what about the courts? Because tomorrow we expect, uh, certainly not this morning, maybe later today, but certainly by tomorrow yeah. we expect the Supreme Court to come back with their decision on the prorogation scenario. Um, and obviously we can't speculate on what that mm -hmm. might be. Um, but say, for example, they were to rule that it was unlawful. What would that mean for Boris and Parliament? Oh, look, I think uh, it would be damaging, but the question is how damaging. Mm. Uh, it, I think anybody who watched the, the court proceedings last week will have been surprised exactly uh, how pathetic the government case was, how little effort they put into trying to make a case themselves. Uh, you would have thought many observers say this, that um, the Supreme Court will say that the, that the decision on proroguing is one that can be brought to, to them, that can be the subject of judicial review. And then you would have thought they might, in their reasons, in their judgment, they might say these are the factors that should be considered when proroguing Parliament. Um, so a slap on the wrist, I think, a constraint on any future act, act, action by the Prime Minister. Will they make Parliament come back? Well, that's what's making politics in Britain so exciting at the moment. Yeah. We don't actually know. They could actually give a judgment that forces uh, uh, either the government to come back or allows John Burke, the Speaker, to say, I'm going to call uh, Parliament back to meet. And we all know that John Burke would like nothing better than to be able uh, to not just slap Boris on the wrist, but to hit him around the head with... Erskine made the procedures manual. Yes, or the, the, the wool sack or something. I mean, yeah, it's incredible yeah. that we are in this place, isn't it? Because, as you say, I think I gave up predicting what was going to happen about six months ago, uh, you know, when we didn't hit the March the 29th deadline. And it's been impossible, even more impossible, since Boris has taken over to know what's yeah. going to happen tomorrow. Oh, look, absolutely. Um, we live in unprecedented times, which is why it's really hard to predict, because we normally predict based on what's happened before, what the precedent is. Uh, it's a, we're on a switchback, you know. Just take this issue of the Supreme Court. 
mm. until Friday we were all obsessed with it. Then suddenly uh, we have, as Tom Watson said, this attempted drive-by shooting. And so suddenly we're on the Labour Party and Labour Party splits. But by, t by this afternoon or tomorrow morning we could be back on uh, to the Tory party. In fact, we could be seeing MPs traipsing that back to Westminster while the Labour Party conference is still going. Mm. Um, this, is a, this, is a, this is a huge, huge decision for the courts to make. But they can't be made fools of by the government. And, but equally, they don't want to enter into the field of politics. Yes. So it's a very delicate balance. And, and they uh, made that very clear that they don't want to interfere in the Brexit yeah. process or indeed the strategy. Right. Well, listen, right. thank you very much indeed. John McTernan, former political secretary for Tony Blair, live uh, from Talk Radio Stand at the Brighton Centre, uh, where the Labour Party conference is going on. Uh, there's so much to talk about this morning uh, and so much I want to hear from you about as well. 0344 499 is the number uh, I need you to call me on because, of course... Jeremy Corbyn is beginning to look, to me, uh, like a guy who doesn't want it anymore. A guy who doesn't really want to run uh, as leader of the Labour Party in an election. Who doesn't really want to be the Prime Minister. So if not him, who would be my question? And how damaging is this ridiculous Brexit policy, which is neither one thing nor the other, uh, going to be to the Labour Party at an election? And in the long term, they're already trailing massively against the Tories, which is hard to believe. But here we are with Jeremy Corbyn basically saying, we're going to basically wait around until we see who's won uh, if there is another referendum. And then we're going to say we're going to back the winners of that referendum. That's where we're going to be. We're going to have no policy to campaign on. We're going to have no idea uh, precisely whether we are a Remain party or a Leave party. As somebody said yesterday, he's the only person in the entire country of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland who doesn't have a view on Brexit. Well, how does that work? Dave uh, is in Inkley. Hello, Dave. Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, very well indeed. What do you want to say? Um, I've seen a white charger on its way to the uh, Labour Party conference. <laughs> Just uh, the one? Yeah, with Chucker a Mooner on it. He's coming back. Why? Well, he wants a better job than he's got now. Yeah, well, he might want a better job than he's got now, but I don't think you'll get one at the Labour Party because Labour Party and him have parted company, haven't they? Yeah, be past company with everybody, then goes back to him, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, really interesting listening to John McDonnell saying there that, you know, the great thing about the Labour Party is that we abide by democratic decisions that are made by the party, except for when they try and <laughs> sack Tom Watson. <laughs> you know. They're, they're a terrible mess, really, aren't they? Well, it really um, is. I mean, I'm assuming if Corbyn was to stand aside because he doesn't want to do the job for whatever reason, they will want to absolutely ensure the NEC momentum that he is replaced by somebody equally left-wing, equally Corbynista type, you know? They're not going to want somebody like Chucker Ramuna going back there. No, nah, nah, of course not. The, the biggest problem the Labour Party have got, and, and they just won't own up to it, is the fact that you know, the London-centric all want to uh, remain and... Um, most of the voters in the north all voted to leave. And yeah. all, the, all the MPs in the north are saying, no, you can't do this. And all the MPs in the south are saying, yes, you can do this. Yeah. And it'll split them down the middle. And, and, and I, I, although I don't like his politics, I actually feel sorry for Jeremy Corbyn because he can't win on either side of this. Whichever side he comes down on, he's going to upset the other half. Well, he's inherited a poison chalice, but it's partly a poison chalice of his own making. Because he's the one who's taken the, Lib the Labour Party so far left. I mean, pretty funny from John McDonnell again to say that the Lib Dems have become a party of extremes. These are the people yeah. who want to take back control of private schools and basically seize land owned by private individuals. Well, what, what are the front bench of the Labour Party going to do with all their kids then? It's the school. <laughs> well, obviously they won't enact it until they've all finished. I mean, that'll be the way they do that, won't it, for heaven's sake. Hello, Ian. 
Hi there, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Very Great good. show you do. Thank and you I'll very much. To it. Very, not very kind of you to say. What do you want to tell us? All right, it's uh, the uh, shall we say the loony left of the Labour Party and Mr. Corbyn. Mm. Uh, now their policies on nationalisation of all of our facilities, you know, uh, water, yeah, everything. Railways. Yeah, that's fine. All very, all very well and good, but it goes against most of the EU competition laws. Mm. Well, so really, they could do with being outside of the EU to push through their policies. Hence, the fence city. Well, this is why I find it kind of bizarre because you're quite right to say that under uh, European law, none of that nationalisation could happen. Jeremy Corbyn says that Labour are the party of Remain, but he now says yeah. that he doesn't have a view. And somebody yeah. said to him yesterday, he's the only person in the whole of the United Kingdom who doesn't have a view on Brexit. Yeah, well, you know, it just it it just beggars belief. I, I'm sorry, you know, it's like people ask me what I'm going to vote in the next election. At the moment, I'm not even going to bother to register to, sorry, uh, to vote. No, well, I can't blame you for that, Ian. I'm sure there are plenty of other people who would basically say the same thing. However, I would issue one word of warning. If you don't vote in an upcoming general election, you risk actually getting a government that you didn't know anything about coming in and absolutely doing whatever they like, saying they've got a mandate from the people. And if too many people like you decide not to vote, Ian, well, then, in the end, um, you will get the government that you deserve, which will be, unfortunately, not a very good one. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. We've got much more coming up, more from Labour Party conference. We're going to be going live uh, over to New York to find out what's happening with the United Nations and climate change. And, of course, we'll be finding out why so many men are apparently now saying they haven't got any friends. And this is not just from the Labour Party conference we're talking about. This is all over the place. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I don't wanna be alone. Now, it may come as no surprise to you to find out that quite a lot of men don't have any friends. <laughs> now, you know why, right? Because quite a lot of men are not very nice. Quite a lot of men are loners. Quite a lot of men have got sort of uh, bad social skills. And quite a lot of men uh, are not very good at talking to people. That's my view. Uh, you may say something completely different, but a study's been done, uh, right, uh, about how many more men than women find themselves without any actual close friends. I find that quite remarkable. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's talk to Dan Rowe, uh, Manchester facilitator uh, for Andy's Man Club. Um, that's an interesting title, Dan, first of all. What does that mean? It's an interesting introduction for yourself as well. Um, <laughs> I think... Um it's, it's society as, as, a, as a whole, really. We're, we're more connected than ever, aren't we, through social media. Yeah. But our actual interactions face-to-face, -face, mm. human interactions, uh, are, are, reducing, um, are reducing massively. Mm. Um, and, and I think people are working hard. That You could look at maybe the rise in, in people working flexibly, so are people working from home. Um, they're not interacting with anyone else other than via email, via social media. Um, and, and, and looking at finding where that community is, where you feel like you fit in. Yeah. I think, think, like part, of the, I think like part of the problem, is, as you say, Dan, is, is, is sort of driven by lack of opportunity. But equally, I wonder whether it's also driven by the fact that you can now be more of a loner because you can sit at home all night on social media talking to people who you may not know particularly well um, and actually quite enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that I'm sure that works for works for some people. But I think the the, the area that um, that the article kind of mentions on is that feeling of isolation. Is for the vast majority of men, it it doesn't work. We see at Andy's Man Club a number of men that come through the door, not necessarily feeling like they're suffering with a a, a, a severe kind of mental health um, issue, but just generally that they feel isolated. In Manchester, we have a lot of young professionals that move up to Manchester mm. from different from different areas and right. they lose that support network from families from from their established friends and it's difficult to go out and find new friends it, it's it's a difficult place to to where do where do you start to go and find a new friendship group if you don't have that necessarily at work where you spend the majority of your time right. where do you find that that is that is a kind of a big challenge but the and fact that, but the fact that it doesn't seem to be affecting women quite as much would suggest would it not that women are slightly more outgoing maybe or they make friends easier uh, or they make friends of the same sex easier yeah, quite quite possibly. Um, I think they're, they're more adept at, at talking about it as well. Um, I, I think that women traditionally are better at, at communicating, um, again, if, if they are feeling isolated, if they are feeling lonely and communicating that. Mm. I think men have still have, we still have a stigma around, well, that horrendous saying of man up, just get on with it, just deal with it, just crack on and, and you'll be all right. And, and, and as we all know, Especially with suicide rates in the, in the UK amongst men, that, that men don't get on with it. They don't. They don't man up, and, and they do struggle. Yeah, and maybe for the same reason, they don't make friends so easily because they are more closed, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think to, to, to open it and make friends, you've got to show, I suppose, a sense of vulnerability, haven't you? And, 
as a as a, as a man, it's difficult. It's interesting, uh, sort of touching on my, on kind of my experience. I've always played sport, so I've always played football, I've always played cricket, I've always played rugby. So I've always been surrounded by other men of my age, of a similar age, of similar interests. But I've always felt, um, and and I kind of relate to this article. I've always felt when you're in the pub after, you're the only man in the room, even though the room is full. And that's a kind of a, a real difficult. Um, a real difficult thing to feel because then you start to take yourself out of those situations because if for a second you feel lonely within a room full of people then your natural instinct is to take yourself away from that because it's uncomfortable to... to well, to that's kind of... one of the interesting things about loneliness, isn't it? Because if you are a lonely uh, individual and you feel lonely you can be lonely everywhere not actually yeah. just because you're sitting around on your own. Yeah, absolutely and, and, and often you feel more lonely with the more people that are around because you're and why the, was that for you then? Was it because you didn't feel a connection to the other people? No, I, I think I felt a, a, a superficial um, connection with 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 other with other guys around that. They were my teammates, and don't um, no, listen, I don't like, knock superficiality. You know, a lot of people are superficial. <laughs> they have got loads of friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, in in terms of the the, the level of connection that yes. you have. But I, I think it's um, for, for me. It was always it was always tough to get around. Um, you, you'd see uh, sort of friendship groups bond, and I, and I always found that I was always quite lively. I was always probably one of the loudest people in the room. But it was just hiding what else was going on underneath, really. For, right. for me, and the fact that I was struggling with 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 issues myself. Yeah. So I mean, I suppose the fact that we're talking about it is a good thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and we're seeing we're seeing a difference. Um, Andy's Man Club, we had seven hundred and forty-four people through the door, men through the door last Monday, uh, last Monday night, that are willing to talk about what's going on in their life. That's not just down to isolation. That's not just down to loneliness. But a huge part plays is the fact that they don't feel part of the community, and when they do come into Andy's Man Club, automatically they are part of the the, the kind of AMC community. So they start to feel that, and we're actually seeing. Um, more and more the social connections growing outside of uh, outside of Andy's Man Club as well as well as inside. So yeah. there are a lot of men that are willing to do that. It's finding that right vehicle that works that that works for them, for where they will feel part of that community. But the hardest thing as a man is 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 working out a what that is and how to do it and how to access it. Let's go to Graham in Peterborough. Wants to talk about loneliness. Hello, Graham. Ah, oh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Ah, oh, super duper. Excellent. What do you want to tell me? Well, I'm single, yeah. but uh, for a while you do feel alone. But I've adopted the albatross syndrome. Oh yeah, you What's fly that? alone. All right. Right. As a result of a, a damp, well, even in the relationship and afterwards, just just get out there and go forth. You know. So you don't uh, feel lonely as such. Oh, there are times it, it, it's sort of disappearing all the time. It's receding. Mm. I've just had a great few days up in Edinburgh. Okay. Went back to work today. Uh, you know, go down the gym after I'd finished work, had a nice half-hour swim, chat to people, put yourself around, just just, just enjoy life and enjoy other people's company. Yes. And like so, so, you're, so what you're saying is it's not that you don't have interaction with other people, you just maybe don't have a best friend. I uh, don't need best friends, just people I know. Okay, all right. That's uh, probably the easiest thing. Like, last year, my Albatross project, um, I had a few couple of weeks off work, couldn't get a good deal on a European holiday, so I flew around the world in 144 hours. Did you? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, just talking to whoever you sat next to on the plane. Yeah, and enjoying all that lovely airline food. Yes. I mean, there are advantages to being alone because you don't, for example, get annoyed by the other person that you live with, I suppose, um, and you don't get annoyed by um, things that people say to you. Um, and I guess if you haven't got a close friend, you don't have to listen to somebody banging on about something that's bothering them. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm living alone, I can cook what I want, I can have as much garlic as I want, as much curry, <laughs> chilli, Chinese. Right. What about, going to, what about going to work after all that? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I saved that for my version of the weekend. Ah, OK. But, and and, um, and, and the, is your office full of people that you, you're friends with, would you say? Um, well, certainly my best pal, call him a pal, he left last week to work at a place next door. Okay. But, you know, I, I still get on with everyone. I've all got right. my own personal routines, tidiness, cleanliness, hygiene, etc., it's good no, to know. Would it be would it be out of the would it be out of the question, Graham, for you to meet, say, somebody that you wanted to be with, like as a not as a, as in a best friend, but as as a partner? Well, I finally made it at the gym. Um, there's this charming lady. Um, we've been on a couple of dates, and she, when I came back from Edinburgh, presented her with a little uh, token from my visit. Okay. She said, "Oh, call me again." Okay, so, so you might. So day. next time I speak to you, you might not be uh, alone. The albatross may have joined up hands with another albatross. Well, eventually they do come to land. Uh, <laughs> or, um, well, you got it. Yeah, that's as that's long as you don't become an albatross around somebody's neck, I suppose that's the main <laughs> thing. Let's talk to Keith, uh, who's in Newquay in Cornwall. Hi, Keith. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Is, uh, this is a great pleasure. This. Thank um, you. Speaking to you. Um, right. What I want to say is that I'm taking great delight in witnessing in real time the Labour Party disappearing up their own backside. <laughs> it does look the a bit like that, doesn't Labour it? The Labour Party are now fully fledged Brexit deniers. Yes, they really are. Pardon? They really are, aren't they? Yeah. Who have t they've turned their backs on their leave-means-leave leave Labour supporters. Yeah. And they are making a pathetic attempt to keep them on side by offering them an in referendum. So, yeah, Which, saying basically, uh, if if you then get a leave result second time around, then we will support you, as opposed to supporting you now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they they know this in in referendum takes Brexit off the table. Yeah. They will intentionally negotiate a deal that will make remaining in a corrupt EU the better choice. Well, John McDonnell today has said that he cannot see any deal which is better than staying in the European Union. Of course not. I mm. mean, the Brexit deniers are trusting in their belief that all Brexiteers are thick and stupid, so will not notice a real Brexit is no longer possible. Yeah. It's incredible. What? It's incredible to watch, Keith. The, 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 the absolute goal with which they're operating is quite remarkable. Let's have a quick word with Ken in Luton, because uh, we're running out of time. Ken, uh, what do you want to tell us? Morning, Mike. Morning. I'm just to the same thing, that they've ditched five million of their voters for a slice of the cake. Yeah. I mean, if you see his uh, speech this morning, 250 billion for climate change. Yeah, I know. It's a joke, isn't it? Where's he going to get that from? I wish they'd change the climate in the Labour Party conference and make it a bit colder for them so that they can actually come to their senses. I think they've got the heating turned up too high. Mike? They talk about jobs. 
Where were they when they were exporting jobs from this country yeah. overseas? I know. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, we'll be talking to Alex Dibble down uh, at the talk radio stand at Brighton Centre, of course, where the Labour Party conference is ongoing. Apparently, they're all sitting around trying to decide on exactly what the wording should be uh, for the Brexit Party policy uh, that they're going to have. And when I say Brexit Party policy, I don't mean Brexit Party policy. I mean their Brexit party policy, if you see what I mean. The Labour Party of course would like to be all things to all men and indeed women uh, and indeed anybody else uh, who might regard themselves as uh, gender fluid. Let's talk to Malcolm who's in Oxford. Hello. But he can't be bad. <laughs> yeah, no. well, you know, you, I don't know if we've never actually talked. Malcolm. Hello again, Mike. How are you today? Very well, sir. Very well indeed. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. Five Perry Awards already. Sit up whether anybody's in the top, uh, top three of Perry Awards. I mean, I get most of them, but uh, you might have won a couple now, haven't you? I've won five. Five? Really? Five, yeah. Blimey, yeah. well done. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, very I'm good. Over the moon. Over the moon. I'm thank my mum and my dad and everybody <laughs> else. Tremendous. Uh, what do you want to tell us about Jeremy Corbyn? Right, two things. First of all, I listened to uh, Donald this morning. Yeah. How he thinks that Labour Party policy would bring this country together, reunite mm. this country, is pie in the sky. Well, they can't even reunite the Labour Party, never mind absolutely. the rest of the country. Absolutely. But the main thing is, Boris Johnson is being vilified by the press. They're finding the smallest little thing to try and bring him down. The press are doing this, the BBC, Sky, etc., etc. Do they not cast their minds back to 2017 when the press were doing exactly the same to Jeremy Corbyn? Mm. And Jeremy Corbyn's ratings increased. Well, they the did. Really the one the, the election. Boris Johnson's ratings in the public are increasing. The reason for that is, is we look at his policies and his actions, what he's doing the job as the Prime Minister. Yeah. And the majority of the country... But I think, I think like, like Jeremy Corbyn, Malcolm, he will be judged on what he can achieve. And since Absolutely. Jeremy Corbyn has been in, in power uh, as head of the Labour Party, he's achieved basically the square root of nothing at all. All he's done is, is made the, the party more unpopular uh, and he's basically made the party unelectable. So people have gone off him now, whereas Boris, if he fails to deliver Brexit, I think will be done as well. He'll be finished. Absolutely. So, you know, the, it's no, I'm not interested whether he gives some money to a pole dancer or whether he's had a row in his flat. Well, with I think his if he's giving public money to a pole dancer, I'm not too happy about that. Well, it depends what it was and what it was for, etc. If he can explain that, fine. My main concern is what we're going to do on the 31st of October, yeah. midnight. No, and I that's think no, I... the only thing that concerns me. Okay, at the well, listen, Malcolm, you're quite right to be concerned about that. Uh, and we'll talk some more about Brexit, of course, coming up. Let's talk to Daya, though. He wants to talk about Thomas Cook. Hello, Daya. It's it's to her, actually. T A H E R. Sorry. Right. My question with Thomas Cook is: yeah. all these companies um, are audited. Yeah. Right. So, as part of the auditing, um, it's basically an external person comes in and says, "All oh, your numbers are okay." Mm. Now, based on the fact that the you know the executives have made 
quite a substantial fortune from their uh, dealings within Thomas Cook. Why is it that none of this was ever spotted during those Times. No, because exactly. I agree. Well, this is this is why uh, yeah. I, this is why I asked the question to Ben Clapworthy: is why did they actually end up going under? Because okay, their model might not work anymore, but surely they should have seen that coming. That's my point. I mean, I myself, I'm a business coach. I help businesses plan. Right. And one of the things that you do when you do a plan, like with, you know, life happens. Sure. Things that you plan for don't materialise, or things that you do plan for. Some, an event happens, an incident happens, so you have to adapt and adjust to it. Now, these executives are, I would class, uh, you know, because of the state, are, are supposedly very smart and intelligent people. Yeah. So are they just following a trail of thought because that's what everybody else has done, or are they actually smart enough to realise, look, we need to change something? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know, and I think we will find out over the course of time. Taya, thank you very much indeed. I think the problem here uh, is that the management at Thomas Cook uh, were too busy making sure that they were taking some pretty good, large, heavy bags of money out of the company, um, while perhaps not noticing um, that the massive numbers of people who were going on holiday were not actually making them very much money. And also the high street clearly was not a good place to be if you're a travel agent because everyone was everybody now books their holidays online. Why would you have 500 travel agents where people were actually paying rent to be and business rates to be sitting in a high street? It makes absolutely no sense at all. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.